You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Hi, I'm Emma Simmons. Um, I'm one of St. John's Mission Partners, and today I'm bringing the Bible reading from Job 30, from verse 1, right up to the end of the chapter. But now they mock me, men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. Of what use was the strength of their hands to me, since their vigour had gone from them? Haggard from want and hunger, they roamed the parched land in desolate wastelands at night. In the brush they gathered salt herbs, and their food food was the root of the broom brush, the broom bush. They were banished from human society, shouted at as if they were thieves. They were forced to live in the dry stream beds, among the rocks and holes in the ground. They brayed among the bushes and huddled in the undergrowth. A base and nameless brood, they were driven out of the land. And now these young men mock me in song. I have become a byword among them. They detest me and keep their distance. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me, they throw off restraint in my presence. On my right the tribe attacks. They lay snares for my feet. They build their siege ramps against me. They break up my road. They succeed in destroying me. No one can help him, they say. They advance as though through a gaping breach. Amid the ruins, they come rolling in. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. And now my life ebbs away. Days of suffering grip me. Night pierces my bones. My My gnawing pains never rest. In his great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment. He throws me into the mud, and I am reduced to dust and ashes. I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. Surely no man lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has, my, has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. I go about blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I have become a brother of jackals, a companion of owls. My skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. My lyre is turned to mourning and my pipe to the sound of wailing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a famous scene in the TV show, The West Wing, where following his long-term secretary's funeral, the president asks for the cathedral to be sealed off so that he can have time to speak with God. You're a son of a bitch, you know that? She bought her first new car and you hit her with a drunk driver. What? Is that supposed to be funny? 
He continues to express his anger to God, finishing in Latin words that translate as, thank you, Lord. Am I to believe these things from a righteous God, a just God, a wise God? To hell with your punishments. I was your servant, your messenger on the earth. I did my duty to hell with your punishments and to hell with you. Now, how does hearing someone talk to God like that make you feel? Are you allowed to pray to God like that? Even in the midst of great tragedy and crisis, is this a legitimate way to express yourself to a holy and righteous God? Is this the moment when the US president loses his faith in God? Or is this an expression of faith in the midst of tragedy? We see a similar scene in the book of Job as this godly and righteous man cries out to God in the midst of his pain and trauma. What do we make of his robust interaction with God? Is this a model for us? Is this a crisis of faith or a legitimate expression of faith? Could you pray to God like this? Job has plenty to say throughout this book. From chapters 3 to chapter 31, Job makes numerous speeches. He complains about the situation he's in. He interacts with his friends. Whenever they make a speech, he responds. And even when the friends run out of things to say, Job keeps going. Job's last speech is in chapters 29 to 31. So in chapter 29, he looks back on the good life, how life used to be for him. And in chapter 31, he concludes by calling on God to front up and to bring any charges that he might have against Job. Job wants a face-to-face meeting with God to sort it all out. But I want to focus particularly today on chapter 30, which was read to us earlier. This chapter is what's called a lament. It's a passionate expression of grief and sorrow directed at God. Laments are most commonly found in the book of Psalms, but they're also scattered at other points in the Bible. Laments often have three elements, they, I, and you. They refers to the enemies who are attacking or mocking the person. I, refers to the person's predicament, how they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And you is a direct address to God, calling on him for help, asking him how this situation has come about. Now, all three of these elements are found in what Job says here. So in verses 1 to 15, Job focuses on the they. He speaks about his enemies, the people who mock and attack him. Verse 1. But now they mock me, men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. Here are these young guys who've got no right to boast. Job was far more important than their fathers, he says. But he's fallen so far that now they make fun of him. In verses 2 to 8, Job points out just how low life these men are. They basically like animals foraging for food. 
the outcasts of society who are driven out of town. But what do they do? Again, in verse 9, and now these young men mock me in song. I've become a byword among them. They detest me and keep their distance. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Job has fallen so far from his lofty and prestigious position that the sons of nobodies are making up mocking songs about him and spitting in his face. Mockery is an awful thing. Perhaps you've experienced it yourself at school or at work because of your faith. But Job experiences even more than just mockery. In verses 12 to 15, Job speaks in terms of active attack. He's like a a city that's under siege. So he feels the threat and the mockery of his enemies. And he lifts up his voice loudly and passionately to complain about the way that they are treating him. And yet he knows that the real reason that this is happening is not because of the enemies themselves, but because of God. So in verse 11, Job says, Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me, they throw off restraint in my presence. Job knows that these men would have been powerless to act except for the fact that God has brought him down. Uh, The Hebrew in this verse literally reads that God has loosed my cord. So it could refer to a bow as we have in our Bibles. Uh, Job's powerless to do anything about their attacks. Or the cord could refer to a tent cord that God's slashed his guy rope so that his world has collapsed around him. Or the cord could refer to a a cord holding up a pair of pants like a belt that God's dacked him. He's left him embarrassed and vulnerable with his pants around his ankles. And this brings us to the second part of the lament, the you. We're in verses 16 to 23, Job turns his attention to God. And this is really the heart of what Job is saying. Firstly, he blames God for bringing his present circumstances about. We've already seen that back in verse 11. God has loosed his cord. But it's spelled out further here. He feels like God is is choking him like a garment, verse 18. God's thrown him in the mud, verse 19. God's reduced him to dust and ashes, verse 19. God is using his might to attack him, verse 21. God's tossing him about in a storm, verse 22. God's intent on bringing him down to death, verse 23. There's no holding back. There's no, you know, bottling it all up inside here. Job is letting it all out without a filter. He's telling God exactly how he feels. You did this to me. You are doing this to me. Why, 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 God, are you allowing this to happen? But there's also another complaint here too, in verse 20. I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. 
Job complains that God is giving him the silent treatment. Not only has God brought him to this point, but when he wants to confront God about it, God won't answer him. He knows that God can hear him, but God won't reply. So Job's standing there waiting for an audience, but God merely looks at him. He feels abandoned by God who's done this to him and who now refuses to speak to him. So Job is left desperate and alone. And in the last part of this lament, he really focuses on the I, what has happened to him and how he feels. Uh, Verses 26 and 27 give us a good sense of it. Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. It's a powerful, heart-wrenching cry. Not dressed up in respectable language or niceties of polite speech. This is raw and real. It's a heartfelt cry of pain. The question for us is, is this sort of lament, is this sort of cry to God and confronting him legitimate for us? I suspect that for some of us, the thought of speaking to God like this would be completely out of the question. When I was a student minister here at St John's in 2007, I ran a series of life group studies on the Psalms, including Psalm 13, which is a psalm of lament. And at the end of the study, I asked this same question. Are we allowed to talk to God in this way? And I remember one of the group members answers, oh, no, I could could never speak to God like that. Uh, This lady had such a reverence for God, such a good and godly respect for him that she couldn't imagine bringing a complaint to him in such bold and raw terms. And I can understand her reticence because God is holy and awesome and needs to be treated with respect. Did you cringe when Jed Bartlett spoke to God in this way in that video clip at the beginning? But I actually think that we have been given Job as a model in the Bible, because it is legitimate and appropriate in times of grief, anguish, and anger to lament before God in this way. You see, Job is not criticized by God for speaking in this way. At the end of the book of Job, God says to Job's friends, you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So God, it seems, is okay with this robust cry of Job. And what's more, this model of the cry to God isn't found in Job alone. Uh, Roughly a third of the Psalms in the Bible are laments. Are they just interesting historical oddities? Or are they therefore asked to model and to use in our own devotional life? Jesus himself used a psalm of lament, Psalm 22, as he hung in agony on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A cry of lament, 
a cry of anguish, a cry to God asking why he's been abandoned. When we teach people to pray, we often teach them the acronym ACTS. A stands for adoration, praising God for who he is. C stands for confession, admitting our sin and failure to God and seeking his forgiveness. T stands for thanksgiving, thanking God for the good things he gives us. And S stands for supplication, which is asking God for things for ourselves and for others. Right? It's an excellent acronym. I was taught it myself and I have taught it to others. And each of these types of prayer has good biblical warrant, but it's missing something. It's missing the problem of pain. What are we as God's children to say to him when we experience tragedy in our lives? What are we to say to him when we fail to understand why certain things are happening in the world? What are we to say to him when everything is crashing down around us? Like a man I knew at a previous church whose pregnant wife was diagnosed with cancer following one of their prenatal scans. They then lost the baby at birth. And then his wife died soon after due to that cancer. Right, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, all of those are inadequate in such circumstances. And yet the Bible provides another form of prayer, lament for just such circumstances. Laments enable us to express our anguish and our anger to God, to be real with God, to let him know exactly how we're reeling and struggling sometimes at the core of our being. God's given us a great pastoral resource at our disposal in these laments. I remember having a chat with a woman who was investigating Christianity and she felt like since she started looking into following Jesus, everything had gone wrong in her life. She'd lost a job, she'd come down with serious sickness and so on. Now there were lots of things that I needed to say to her, but one of the things that I did say was that she shouldn't be afraid to tell God how she's feeling. Rather than retreating from God and stopping her investigation of Christianity, she should bring these concerns and how she was feeling about them to God. She should express her doubt, her anger, and her anguish to God, who is able to hear and to respond. Laments like Job's, are really an expression of faith. Sometimes we think that to express doubt or anguish or anger to God displays a lack of faith. But it's actually the opposite. In a situation of great distress, the faith-filled response is to cry out to God in this way. The key here is the, the you element of lament. So it's possible to just complain and to have a victim mentality. They did this to me and I am suffering. Well, lament has the they 
and the I, but it also includes the you. It's a turning to God. It's a bringing it to God. Yes, in anger and strong language, but it's turning to God as a robust expression of faith. Laments express faith in God in the following ways. Firstly, we're acknowledging that God is personal. By using you language, we're talking to God directly and personally. He is someone that we have a relationship with. Job says, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. Right? God is a God who speaks and who relates. And part of the problem for Job is that God isn't responding during this time of crisis. But his very language expresses his belief in a personal God. To shout at God is at least to acknowledge that he exists, that he can be related to, that he is personal. Secondly, in lamenting, we're acknowledging that God is loving. Right? If we believed in a callous or a disinterested God, then we wouldn't lament. Part of the distress and anguish for us in the midst of suffering is that we know that God cares about us and this world. So when we face terrible tragedies, it seems that there's a disconnect between who God is and what we're currently experiencing. So we bring this to God in the language of lament. You know, how can this be happening, God? I know that you care about me. I know that you love me. So why is this happening? Sometimes we save our worst behaviour and our strongest language for the people closest to us. Kids do this all the time, right? They, they work hard to behave at school and to do the right thing. And then they lose the plot when they get home. Actually, adults aren't much different. So why do we do this? Well, partly because we know that we're safe at home, that we're accepted and loved. And if we let it loose, then it won't change the fact that our parents will love us. God is a loving Heavenly Father who accepts us as His children by grace through Jesus. We have a safe and secure relationship. And that enables us to be real and honest with him. And lastly, we lament because we believe in the sovereignty of God. If we didn't believe that God was in control of this world, then there'd be no point in lamenting. Why express your anger or your anguish to a God who's got no control over anything anyway? But it's the very fact that God can do something about it that encourages us to lift our voices to him. He can fix it. It's just a question of when he will do it. A common cry in the Psalms is, how long, O Lord? It's not a question of if, but a question of when. God is all powerful. He's able to do something about suffering. And so we cry to him in distress and we ask him to do it. By lamenting, we express robust faith in God. We don't believe in a fragile or weak God. We believe in the almighty creator and he's big enough and strong enough to take it. We're not going to hurt God's feelings by crying out in distress to him. It's more like a child who is in distress, pounding the chest of their loving father 
who holds them in his strong arms. The child isn't hurting the father with their pounding. He's too big and too strong for that. The child is merely exhausting their own grief on someone who is reliable and loving. Someone who is big enough and strong enough and loving enough to take it. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.